Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. Join us on our journey into the past, the present, and the future as we explore the relationship between technology and humanity. Together, we are going to find out what it means to live in a society where everything is connected and the only constant is change. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at nintex.com. RSA Security offers business-driven security solutions that provide organizations with a unified approach to managing digital risk that hinges on integrated visibility, automated insights, and coordinated actions. Learn more at rsa.com. All right, Marco. Sean, I need a lawyer. Are you ready to get lawyered up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't need a lawyer. But I, I don't need a lawyer because I'm in trouble or anything like that. But I, I need a lawyer to try to figure out what do they do now in, in the cybersecurity world. So I know you, you got need a lawyer to tell you you're in trouble. Exactly. exactly. I have no idea. Well, I'm just going my way. <laughs> hopefully with many things we talk about in, in cybersecurity, you, you need something to get you get you out of trouble before you get into trouble. <laughs> so well, how do I know when I get in trouble? It's so all over the places. That's that's my problem. Exactly. Exactly. Well we're gonna we're gonna spend some time or this is gonna be part of a series we're doing, Marco, where we talk about the relationship between InfoSec and other parts of the business. And as you guessed it, if you're listening, we're gonna be talking about the role of uh legal operations and uh, law firms and inside counsel and blah, 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 all that stuff connected to cybersecurity and privacy. And, sounds uh, like a good place to start. Sounds like a good place to start. We have two guests joining us today. And uh, one uh, many folks know, he actually is a host of a show here on ITSP Magazine called Leet Posen. So uh, he, he and his uh, partner, Chris, talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, that uh, we probably don't get to talk about enough in cybersecurity and privacy. That's Cody Wamsley. And uh, we have another good friend who's joined us for a previous episode as well, Diego Fernandez, coming to us from Argentina today. Thanks, guys, for joining. Great to be here, Sean. Same. Thank you. Yeah, so th this is a world that uh, I think everybody has to be aware of, um, probably is a little afraid of, but I'm hoping that we get to a point where we can talk about the value of building a strong relationship with uh, the legal team inside and out. So uh, before we get there, a quick word about uh, each of you, your role, what you're up to. Uh, Cody, we'll start with you. 
Sure. Thanks, Sean. Um, so, uh, like Sean said, my name is Cody Wamsley, and I am a uh, privacy and information security. I'm with the international law firm of Dorsey and Whitney, uh, where I help clients of all sizes um, manage their privacy and security compliance obligations, uh, including proactive measures, uh, incident response, um, and audit M&A, you name it, if it touches privacy or cybersecurity probably handled it and we certainly can as a firm nice one and you you've done a ton of stuff before uh being with that firm uh building products uh supporting commercial companies as well so hopefully we can tap into some of those experiences as well and diego a bit about yourself uh well thank you for the for the invitation i'm pretty much similar to what uh, cody was saying i'm the difference is that I'm, I'm from Argentina, actually, and uh, I do the same work down here. Um, pretty much what it has to do with privacy and cybersecurity is, is part of what I do. Um, I'm doing some other work with M&A and IP, but there's, um, as I think we will be discussing, there's a lot of work going on in, in privacy and uh, cybersecurity in terms of incidents, and, and that's part of all, most of the data I do, yeah. Well, it's definitely a pleasure to have you both on the show. And uh, I'd like to start with something like many times we look at technology and, you know, people are concerned about taking jobs away. But there is the other side of the metal or of the coin, if you want to say, where it created a lot of jobs that didn't exist, like certain roles that didn't exist, certain shade of gray on, on what a lawyer in this case can, can be. So uh, before we started with Cody, we were talking about if you were thinking to do these jobs when you were studying, there wasn't even a way to get to prepare for that, to get that specific education. But then the the, the business environment changed, and here you are. So, how things change, Cody? Let's start with you. Since when you start in this uh, in this kind of business, in this kind of uh, line of lawyer, let's say uh, profession. Sure. Thanks, Marco. So, I guess I'll tell a story that I feel like I've told a lot over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, and that is sort of how I got into uh, this profession. So I, I'd always been interested in the intersection of law and technology, specifically with privacy and cybersecurity, since I was really first thinking about what I wanted to do as a career, you know, after I decided maybe astronaut and uh, fighter pilot weren't um, in the cards anymore. It was, you know, here's the next thing is cybersecurity lawyer. Um, and I remember being in um, college and then going to law school. And when I was interviewing at, at law firms um, around the country and telling them this is what I wanted to do. So this was in the mid 2000s. said I wanted to do privacy and cybersecurity law. And I, all of the uh, the attorneys that I was interviewing with would look at me and they'd shake their heads and they'd be like, what are, what are you even talking about? We don't get any business in that space. That's not a thing. Um, <laughs> you know, if you want to do uh, law and technology, if you want to be involved in that, you need to be a patent attorney because that's that's what we have in our space, um, intellectual property, patent law, uh, you know, helping inventors protect their technologies and um, litigate when people are infringing on their patents, that kind of thing. That's that's where the intersection of law and technology exists to us. And that, that was the message that I got all the way into the mid 2000s, actually towards the end of the of the 2000s. Um, and I remember saying during these interviews, I was like, well, maybe you don't have it now, but it's coming uh, because as more and more um, companies are, are putting their information online, as people are interacting more and more, um, you know, it, it, it's it's inevitable. There's going to be um, litigation, of course. There's going to be privacy issues that come up because uh, 
companies are collecting more and more data all the time. And people eventually, it's going to hit a point where people are going to have a problem with that. Um, and so, you know, I remember telling them this, but again, back then it wasn't really a thing uh, that law firms were thinking about. And so um, for myself to get into the industry, I was like, okay, well, if that's what it takes <laughs> to get into law and technology, I guess I will be a patent attorney. I actually really um, enjoyed being a patent attorney. Uh, but my first real job was actually in-house at a cybersecurity software company as a patent attorney. So I got to do both. Um, I got early exposure uh, in the uh, the actual security industry as a lawyer. Um, and so I got to learn both the regulatory um, issues that were going on, but I, I got I got the angle of, of coming at it from the product and intellectual property side. So that was sort of how... I got into it. And now, of course, ever since then, privacy law and cybersecurity law have become sort of their own animals. There's a lot of law firms that have um, dedicated practice groups to these. They're constantly hiring. There's an entire certification body. You might be familiar with the IAPP that's popped up. I don't I don't know how old they are, but, um, you know, that's sort of the de facto a mechanism to determine whether somebody's interested in privacy law is if they've um, looked at or at least achieved one of these certifications and that sort of thing. We can talk about the, you know, the the usefulness of the certifications at another time. But, if, uh, you know, it's sort of like if you see that on the resume, OK, well, at least they're interested in it. Now we kind of have an idea of where to slot them if we were going to bring them into the law firm. So, you know, it's, it's really grown and exploded over the last couple of years. And with um, the advent of um well, certainly the Ed Snowden revelations, which led to the uh, the GDPR, and now we've got the CCPA and a variety of other privacy laws that have sprung up all over the world. It's it's really become its own thing, and it's only growing and it's and it's accelerating. Yeah, and FTC stuff coming today. In fact, <laughs> lots lots of inquiries there. Um, I'm uh, a ton of questions on what you just said, Cody. But I'm first. I'd like to get Diego's. Uh, thoughts on the, the the history of the role and changes in what services are offered by firms, how inside counsel looks at different things, perhaps as the role of cybersecurity grew over the years as well. Yeah, sure. Thank you, John. So I, I have a different story on that from Cody. Uh, I I was asked to move into this. I was not, you know, it was not me saying I want to do cybersecurity or privacy. It was not in my DNA. Uh, uh, we had a need. Uh, we saw this growing, as Cody saw that uh, many years ago. We saw that there was a trend in the U.S. and Europe, um, and there was a lot of business coming, and we want to make sure that we we had, um, um, you know, a robust department of cybersecurity and privacy. So uh, I moved from merely IP uh, to do more privacy and cybersecurity. I, as you know, I I, I was in the, the States for almost three years um, studying there and I worked in a, in a large firm in their patent attorney uh, department. Also, I was helping them with technology things and then with the privacy. And what I've seen, you know, I come from a different jurisdiction um, where it is not something common to see a lawyer with a technical background. So you don't have the this system that you have in the US that you have the undergrad on a technical aspect and then you become a lawyer is you go directly from high school to, to law school. So you are 18 years old and you start uh, studying the law. And so 22, 23 years old, you are on your own in, in, in the world. Um, and so what I've seen is I've seen a grow of, um, you know, like, working in groups. Uh, I work a lot with the 
you know, when I have a client, I work with their security team and all the technical people from the from the team, and then it's the lawyer who brings the legal stuff in in into make it work uh, in, in a way that you know you help them mitigate something or you plan ahead how to do things or even think what you will do if you have a security incident. But normally working in a very very large group um, because because we lack this, you know, it would be great to have like a coding type of lawyer here down in Argentina where you can find the you know, same person, different skills. But even with the time, I'm, I, I know I, I've learned a lot and I've been studying a lot about security. I still work with very, very uh, knowledgeable people here down in Argentina who knows exactly what to do in, in terms of the technical part. And then I try to bring with my team, of course, all the legal stuff to make it work. So that's the, the change I'm seeing. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and speaking of change, so the, in, in looking at this over the years, the, I've heard a lot of stories around uh, the role of legal in incident response, right? And the, the value of bringing, bringing somebody in to help manage that process and then the communications and protecting the company and others. But there's much more to cybersecurity and much more to the role of of legal counsel in the company. I'm wondering what other relationships throughout the life cycle of cybersecurity and privacy are there and what types of communications and conversations are there? Everything from strategy and planning down to ultimately the, the inevitable uh, breach response. I don't know who wants to take that. Cody? I, sure. So um, a couple of things. I, I would say operational risk is probably the, the primary category that, that you'd be describing aside from uh, incident response. And so that would encompass product development. It would encompass um, third-party management. It would encompass, um, you know, internal uh, security policy development, all those types of things. And when it comes from to the legal aspect of that, you've got a variety of sources um, of risk. So first would be your regulatory um, piece. So if you're in a regulated industry like financial services or healthcare or something like that, you're going to have actual regulations that dictate and drive certain security requirements uh, in a variety of things. And so, um, you know, as a lawyer, it's your job to interpret those rules <clears throat> and help the company develop policies or procedures or, or whatever they need to put into place uh, in order to comply with those rules. Now, that's a compliance function. There's usually a compliance organization that's there as well. But, but in order to do that, you have to interpret the law. And so that's what the lawyer's job is um, in that aspect. Uh, and when it comes to product development, <clears throat> it's a similar sort of um, approach, I guess, when you've got a, a new product that the company is wanting to launch and uh, you've got a lawyer that understands the technology and the legal risks. They can uh, wow. counsel the product development teams on uh, their product roadmaps and helping them understand what some of the requirements should be when they're developing the product uh, to, to make sure that they're um, either meeting regulatory requirements, which may or may not exist um, in the industry, but also to mitigate uh, risks down the road. And some of those risks, <laughs> we talk a lot about... Um, privacy and security sort of as a conflated issue, but they are separate. And so there, there may be privacy risks that you have to address. And there may also be security risks. And it's rare um, to have one 
lawyer or one person that understands both of those uh, because oftentimes they're at odds with each other um, when you're talking about privacy and security and, and to be able to wear both hats is, is hard. And so a, a lot of times you'll have one privacy lawyer and a security lawyer or, you know, a, you know, a subject matter expert in each of those in, when it comes to the product development um, cycle. And then uh, when it comes to the third party management, that's a that's its own total animal, I think, you know, that comes down to beast comes uh, to mind. Exactly. It, it contracts. Um, number one, I mean, obviously, that's a legal um, piece of this. And so making sure that you've got the proper security controls spelled out in your contracts. And again, that may be driven by regulatory requirements, but it, it's not necessarily. And so, you know, if you're going to be transmitting uh, sensitive inf- uh, information to a vendor or having them process that on behalf of you or simply giving them access to a system that contains sensitive information or sensitive infrastructure, uh, you need to make sure that you've got the proper um, contractual controls in place and you need a lawyer to do that to negotiate uh, those types of uh, provisions. And then also the auditing and, um, you know, ongoing um, monitoring uh, aspect of third-party security. That's something that I think a lot of times lawyers don't touch on and and frankly, probably don't have exposure to. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've run into lawyers that don't know what a SOC 2 is. (laughs) So it's, you know, these are, these are important. The left SOC or the right SOC? It depends. Is it the type one or the type two? I'd say the type two is the right one. You do need two SOCs. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. You know, this brings me to maybe the next thing that I, I'm going to pass the ball to, to Diego with this. And, and it makes me think about the importance of creating the cybersecurity culture. I mean, this column with Sean, our main goal is to redefine security. And you can't redefine security unless you change the culture of the business. And that's not an easy task, that's for sure. And so that the, the cybersecurity and the legal department is not the department of no, but is the department of let's create value by accomplishing certain things and preventing maybe problem to happen. So maybe it is important for everybody to know that you need two socks. Uh, Diego, what's your thought on that in the culture? Well, you, you touch upon a very important thing, I guess, and um, I, I will speak for the region of Argentina. Um, you know, one of the barriers that we have, and maybe you do not have that in the U.S., is that we don't have very, you know, very high fines and sanctions. Um, and so it is very, it, it's been, during the time, it's been very difficult to, you know, convince the board that some of the measures that you were proposing from from a legal perspective and even from a security perspective uh, were worth taking based on the you know the risks and we were talking about risk assessment so when when you you make this risk assessment uh, you normally would say what would happen if something goes wrong and 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 being a lawyer you have to of course consider sanctions and uh, apart from reputation and all that but you know what are the what are the fines that we can receive and when you go to the board and show the numbers and the numbers are very very low uh, sometimes it's very complicated to you know to bring this culture of do the right thing at the end of the day uh, businesses try to run profit and and so i think that lawyers and i'm talking again from where i stand lawyers we have been doing a a great effort to show the value of doing the things in the right way. 
And, 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 and during some time, I guess we have made some progress here in the region because we have shown that it's not just about uh, getting a fine from the regulator. It's about showing your consumers because most of the companies have, you know, they're uh, developing a product. It's a service or a product. They have consumers and consumers are starting to see those companies that, you know, take care seriously of privacy and security of companies that are taking care of them. And so this is a PR thing. And and so when you were saying, uh, Marco, how you interact with different um, scenarios and, and, and teams, I think we are starting to, you know, the lawyer is starting to get into some terrains in which it was not used to. Like we were not talking about PR and, and human resources thing. We, you know, you were about the law and, and what you have to do and what the contract has to say. Now we are talking more about, you know, you should do this because even if it's not, just because it's the right thing, then it has a lot of, uh, you know, enough components that can affect the company in different ways, even more if you are a company being listed. And so that's what I see in terms of, you know, when you touch upon the culture, we need a culture of doing the right thing. And and it takes some time and uh, we, we tend to be a little bit, uh, you know, slower to, to keep on the pace like US companies or European companies. But I think that, that Latin America is going in that direction. And um, and I hope that we have the same conversation five years from now. And, and I can tell you that we are up to it. I'll, I'll throw in one thing here on uh, in terms of the culture between legal and information security and probably the rest of the business is historically uh, here in the United States, at least, you know, the, the legal department was there to um, scare the hell out of everybody because a lot of this doesn't ever really ever materialize. And so the legal departments are, are losing credibility uh, when that's their approach on things. And it's, it's not just, you know, internal, but it's external legal, you know, cause that, that's how lawyers minds are trained to think is what's the worst that can happen. And let's focus on that. I think that in modern times and especially with uh, consumer level, all kinds of things. Security and privacy are actually benefits. These are things that are not shouldn't be considered costs. These are these are marketing um, benefits. These are these are things that you can sell if you're doing it right. Um, and I think that you know the, the more sophisticated legal departments and um, and and forward thinking lawyers are out there. Is not just you, know, you still have to be focused on, of course, the compliance risks and all of that, but also like think putting on a business hat and thinking, okay, what are the positive things that can come from this compliance as well, and let's focus on that because it's a lot easier to sell to business people things that are going to help them make money than you know than things that are are just pure cost. Excellent points. Cody and 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 maybe Diego, you can build on this a little bit. When I when I think of uh, and Marco mentioned this, the Department of No, right? The, when you think of taking a project to legal, it's like ooh, they're gonna they're gonna rip this apart, tear it to shreds, and and tell me all this stuff that that I can't do with it with this project. And the same goes for cybersecurity. I'm wondering, in both directions, are, are there lessons we can learn from each other in the different roles? Obviously, legal teams and legal processes have been in place much, much longer. Are there are there methods and ways that legal have worked with the business to overcome those challenges of don't be afraid to come to us. We're actually here to help that may help cybersecurity teams uh, follow a same model. And, and is there something in return where cybersecurity solved the way to tackle a problem that that perhaps legal can benefit from? Uh, yeah, and you know, elaborating a little bit on, on what 
Cody was saying and, and your question, I think that, you know, that image that we have from the legal department is, it, it, it has evolved and it has changed over time. In, in some cases, I think it has changed because people have, have put a lot of effort to change, but in other, in other cases, it's just the pressure from the client. You know, if, be it the internal client or, uh, or an outside client, they don't want you to just, you know, the typical memo saying this is wrong and you shouldn't be doing this, that doesn't work anymore. You, you, have, to, you, have, to, you have to find a way to walk through and with your client to make this happen. And then you have to find a way, you know, of course there are some projects that cannot see the light because they're just not possible. But, but if the client comes with, you know, and then uh, any, any project and what they're expecting from you is more uh, help me make this happen uh, and help me find a way, a legal way, something that, you know, I can do and I'm not in trouble, but rather show me, you know, Point one, two, and three uh, are wrong, and I and I think that is a this that that that's a change, and and I think clients being in or out, they appreciate going to legal and, and find a friend, if you may. Uh, of course, we're not friends, but uh, to, you know, they feel comfortable that you can go and legal will help the business make this right, and um, and that's what I've seen during the last, I would say, couple of years. Um, and most of the clients, you know, and even more when you have these kind of clients that are tech clients that that they are coming with projects, new projects every every other day. Uh, they need, you know, they need a different type of counsel. I would say a counsel from 50 years ago would not work with that. Uh, they're looking for someone different, and and I guess and I see that that's happening, and that, that's the vision here. And I work a lot with U.S. firms, as, as the firm uh, Cody is in, and, and that's what they when when they they require our services out in Argentina. That's what they're looking for. And maybe that's why we have learned over time to work that way. That's uh, very very interesting, and I, I would be very curious to get the crystal ball right now and look into the future, and kind of see. With all the regulation coming out, privacy issue, technology, big data going into everybody's uh, phones and uh, and business, I'm wondering how the role of the lawyers that work with the cybersecurity team is going to, to evolve, especially when you come into play advanced technology where you're trying to give the responsibility to he's responsible for a decision made by artificial intelligence or automation in vehicles and self-driving cars and so on. So I know it's a big question. I'm not expecting and I'm not keeping you accountable five years from now, but wh where do you see this going? Uh, one, one each. Let's start with Cody. Well, I think there's, there's two critical um, skills that a lawyer will have to have. Uh, moving forward in order to be successful in this space. The first is an appreciation for risk and an understanding of risk tolerance. You can't be the completely risk-averse lawyer um, that you were trained to be and be successful. You have to understand what your, you have to actually understand what your client's appetite for risk is and be able to make judgment calls um, based on that because they will stop coming to you if you are always the most conservative person in the room. They, it just, it's exhausting um, trying to deal with that and, and work through problems because it's, it's always just this endless cycle of questions and issues and problems. And, and a lawyer should understand their client well enough to be able to make judgment calls and say, you know what, I think this 
sizes of risk they're, they're capable of, of handling. And you can still outline it in some way, but you don't have to be constantly going back and, and covering your ass on every little thing, um, you know, and written memos saying, oh, well, remember we talked about this and that, and, you know, it scares people and they just don't want to come back to you anymore. There, there are plenty of things that I think that you can, you can successfully navigate through. The second thing um, is is technical um, understanding of your client is is having a technical understanding because in a in an incident for example when you're dealing with that you've got strict timelines and if you don't have a good appreciation or understanding of of your client's um, you know technical environment uh, you know from the get go and you have to come up to speed and you've got to meet a 72 hour notification deadline <laughs> good luck. Uh, because these things are going to keep coming and you've got to make some some real fast calls and, and you have to get up to speed on uh, what happened in an incident very quickly. And if you don't have the technical understanding of that, it's going to be next to impossible because the, the volume of this stuff is only increasing and the timelines are decreasing. And so, you know, I think that's the the other key component to this is, is you've got to have a technical understanding and an appreciation for risk. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with Cody. Actually, I would just take his words and make it mine, but uh, and, and I, I couldn't agree. That was the idea I had. You know, y- you have to understand what your client needs. I want exactly what uh, what Cody was saying. What the risk they are they are they are tolerant to, and and, and make decisions on that basis. Uh, I've seen the frustration from clients to go back and back with questions and questions, and the, and then the lawyer just responding. You know, this is not good. This is not good. Or I, and, and then the other part that Cody was saying, the, the technical part, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I think that, you know, junior lawyers, um, they, 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 they understand technology much more than, than, than others. And, and for example, if you're working on a fintech uh, project, you, it's just not, as a lawyer, you just not, you, you need to know what the technology is about. You need to know where where the things are, or the worries of the client are, what is important, what is not, what are the regulations of the you know the, the, the banking industry, etc. And the same for big data, or if you are with artificial intelligence, you I think that we will see lawyers that we have a specific skills on different technologies, and maybe we have a big group uh, depending on the on the project bringing different. Uh, lawyers to 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 play the game, uh, but I, I totally agree with what Kobe was saying. Yeah, I love that. And maybe as we wrap here, because uh, both of those examples were uh, the legal team's responsibility to understand the client. And I'm wondering if there's a message, uh, a quick one from each of you on what you would expect the client to uh, to embrace as they engage with their uh, legal partners. Again, sticking with cybersecurity and privacy here. So Diego, we'll start with you and then and Cody can have the final word. Um, yeah, sure. Um, what, I, what I think that from, from this side of the table, what would you would like to see from client is that, that they are clear and straightforward uh, from the very beginning. We, we can cut a lot of time uh, if we just understand what you need. Uh, we're always ready to help and we are always flexible. I think that's something good now. We're very flexible to to work with the client and whatever their needs are. But sometimes, you know, it takes a couple of uh, discussions or emails going back and forth to, to really understand what the problem is or what they're looking for. If we can know that in advance, I think we are going to be much better helping them with, with any of the problems they have. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo um, Diego's point uh, in, in a 
slightly different way, but uh, you know, getting involved early, involving um, legal early is is critical. But it's it's about being comfortable doing that. And I think the more interaction that you have, and the more personal interaction that you have with legal, the easier that will be. Um, the reasons that you want to do it are, are numerous. I mean, if you're dealing with an incident, you want to keep all the communications privileged as much as you can. And the the sooner you get legal involved, the sooner you can attach attorney client privilege. Um, when you're doing risk assessments, you don't want to, or, or you know, building new products, you don't want to be wait, you know, months down the road, you know, building something that's just prohibited <laughs> by by some law. And then you've got to scrap the whole project because you, you've taken so many turns that have taken you way down a path that you can never launch. Uh, you know, having legal involved early on in that is, is also important. But the other thing that I'll say is um, pick up the phone. Don't just do email. Talk to people on the phone or, or something like that. Because I think that you know, lawyers particularly, um, you know, some are better at this than others over time, but they like writing a lot. And it's <laughs> when when you're sending emails back and forth, you might get long winded responses from lawyers and, that are unnecessary. And then, you know, when you're on, an engineer, like, oh, I just wanted an answer. I, I don't need all, you know, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of analysis on this. I just wanted something. I, I think you can. Can I, cut- can I use this open source or not? <laughs> so i think you know picking up in my experience and i can i can't come up with an example where this is not true it is faster to talk over the phone than it is over email and you get everything accomplished you can do it in five to ten minutes usually over the phone where it might take days of back and forth over over an email just to get uh, a mutual understanding of whatever the project is so that would be the other piece of advice i would give all right well i Never thought I would say this, but I really enjoy hanging out with lawyers. And, <laughs> and I, 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 that, jokes, jokes apart. You should do it more often. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely with you guys. I really enjoy <laughs> that. So I want to I wanna thank you. I think it's a very long conversation that is never going to end. It, it's the, the business uh, uh, scenario evolves and technology keeps uh putting us in front of completely different situation that maybe we didn't even expect five years ago. So, Sean, I think we can wrap this and uh, see where we go from here. Maybe bringing some other department of no or yes of any way part of the business into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, yeah, want to thank both of you for some insight. I mean, endless functional aspects that we very briefly touched on from operations to R&D to third party and and IP and obviously all that has a a legal aspect and a cybersecurity aspect to it so um, great to get this overview and and a view into the relationship between the two functions and thanks guys really appreciate it thanks for having us yeah thank you RSA Security offers business-driven security solutions that provide organizations with a unified approach to managing digital risk that hinges on integrated visibility, automated insights, and coordinated actions. Learn more at rsa.com. Nintex is the global standard for business process management and automation. The Nintex platform helps their clients accelerate progress on their digital transformation journeys by quickly and easily managing, automating, and optimizing business processes. Learn more at Nintex.com. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. 
Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and this story made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.